0: It's been said that every quilt tells a story, and it's so true. But I also believe every quilter has a story to tell. I wanted to hear about the people behind these wonderful quilts and thought you'd enjoy hearing about their lives also. Welcome to A Quilter's Life. Sherry Herdman is one busy lady. With living half of the year in the Dominican Republic, She's able to volunteer with the Mariposa DR Foundation, helping to teach girls to sew. Sherry has been quilting for 22 years. She likes batiks, Asian fabrics, and bright colors. Sherry, I'm so glad to have you on A Quilter's Life today. Thanks for being on.
1: It's my pleasure.
0: I'm excited to do this. Oh, good. Good. Let's start with, where were you born and raised?
1: I was raised in Watertown, New York, which is in the Thousand Islands area, right along Lake Ontario and the St. Lawrence
0: River. Did you live there your whole life?
1: No, I left home at 18 and moved to Albany to go to nursing school. My plan had been, I wanted to be a teacher, But I couldn't afford college at the time, so I went to a nursing school intending to work as a nurse to put myself through college. However, as fate would have it, I really was where I was supposed to be, but it was a diploma school. So I then worked full-time as a nurse for many years, all the while getting a bachelor's degree, and I had to do the whole 120 credits, so I used my electives always doing art. It was beginning painting, Navajo weaving, and pottery because I knew I couldn't make a living in the art world, but I loved art. So I got a bachelor's and then a master's, and at the age of 44, I did a post-master's program and became a family nurse practitioner. So life was a little different than I had planned out for myself. And I spent 25 years in Albany and would always take painting classes in adult education, among other things, Chinese cooking. And I loved adulthood. So at the age of 44 and P degree under my belt, I reconnected with the first love of my life, and 25 years after we had initially met in college, we got married. So, I moved 300 miles west from Albany to the very rural part of western New York. I became a brand-new nurse practitioner. Driving 45 miles to the office, I became a step-parent to two teenagers, and it was just a cultural shock. Mm
0: -hmm. But
1: now I wouldn't be happy any other place. After I was here four or five years, my sister-in-law is a quilter, and I loved her work. A little old-fashioned, but wonderful work. And I saw a poster for the Vermont Quilt Festival and said, let's do a road trip. Oddly enough, she said yes, and I called up, and the first bed and breakfast I called, they had an opening, and it was only about two weeks before the festival. So it was meant to be, because apparently people make their reservations a year in advance. They just had a cancellation, and off we went. And it was in the middle of Vermont at a military college and had two massive field houses filled with quilts. I walked in, and it was a life-changing moment. It was looking at art made out of fabric, and I was just taken. And that particular year, it was year 2000. That year, this special grouping was use of comedy in quilting, and that just was perfect. I fell in love with it, started buying fabric, and within a month, I had my first Bernina, and I have not stopped since. So that's my thumbnail of going from Watertown to Albany to Angelica, New York, and taking the art background with me, making quilts. My quilts are never dull. They have lots of color and texture and fun. My different sister-in-law offered me her stash when she was getting out of quilting. And she loved Civil War reproductions. Chocolate brown might be a bright for her palette. And I thought it would just be too depressing. And I thought it was wonderful that she offered it to me. But I suggested that someone else might appreciate it more. And my quotes are known for their use of color.
0: It sounds like maybe you've, Put your quilts in some shows then?
1: It's interesting where they've been. I did submit a quilt to the Vermont Quilt Festival, and it was a quilt named Everything Dominican, and it had piecing and applique and beading, and my mistake, huge mistake, was packing it into a two-small box And the wrinkles just never came out. So it didn't hang well, and it won nothing. But was pretty excited to see it hanging. Mm -hmm. So I have some blue ribbons from the local fairs. However, I have a quilt on the table of the governor of the province of Porta Plata in the Dominican Republic. Her table sits 24. So there was enough fabric and square inches, it was equal to making a king-size quilt. And then the president of the Dominican Republic, and this goes back about eight years, he fell in love with it and commissioned a quilt. So that was pretty exciting. Not a lot of ribbons, but certainly some interesting places for my quilts.
0: Yeah. You mentioned the Dominican Republic and I was anxious to hear about your work that you've done down there. So why don't we go ahead and talk about that a little bit?
1: Well, my husband is a workaholic. He's a mechanical engineer by education and he loves creating companies, mentoring people, and then turning the company over and doing something else. So his dream was to be away from snow for the rest of his life. And we had a serendipity. We were going to one of the islands, and we got a call three days before saying, there's no airport, hurricane wiped it out, you can go someplace else. And so we had taken night school Spanish classes, and we said, send us someplace where they speak Spanish. So we ended up in the Dominican Republic and fell in love with the people and the climate. And that was 1999. And for the next 10, 11 years, we looked for property each time that we would go. We're not really resort people. So we did that twice and said, no, not us. We found a wonderful condo to rent right on the beach in a small town, very sports-oriented town. We ended up working with NYU College of Dentistry. They had a grant to bring students and residents and faculty to the north coast of the Dominican Republic to do dental work. So we would go for two weeks, work six days of clinic, and I would screen all of the patients and keep the students and staff healthy. My husband would end up keeping all the equipment working and wiring whatever community building we were using. Eventually in 2010, through a connection of a friend of a friend, we found the exact right piece of property, so we bought a lot, we started building the house, and I knew that I was not going to sit on the beach and read books. I knew I had to have something to do. And I asked in the community and was referred to Patricia Suriel. Patricia has been in the Dominican Republic for more than 28 years. She's from Rochester, New York. Her dad was a professor of, I believe, physics at both University of Rochester and Cornell. She moved to the Dominican Republic and in 2009 created the Mariposa DR Foundation. It is one of the very few organizations in the world that works exclusively with girls. The mission is to educate, empower and employ and thereby breaks a cycle of generational poverty. So I found Patricia in the fall of 2010 and said, I'm going to be living here in one year. What do you need? What can I do? She said, we need somebody to teach sewing to the girls, and we need sewing machines. No problem. I'm on it. So I came back to Allegheny County which is one of the two very poorest, economically poor counties in New York State. I wrote a letter to the editor of the local newspaper asking if anyone had sewing machines that they would be willing to donate or I would purchase. I had hoped to get six. I got 32. Oh, my friend and I, yeah, my friend and I drove all over Western New York. And hundreds of miles to pick up machines that came out of barns and garages and basements and storage rooms. Every single machine had a story. And a lot of the stories involved my mother used to sew or my wife used to sew. The best karma came with every machine. There were two gentlemen in Olean, New York, which is 35 miles away. They have a sewing machine store and they do repairs. They were so helpful. They charged only $50 a machine to restore each machine. Out of the 32 that were donated, 27 could be salvaged. The others we gave to the gentleman to use for parts. My husband built a container out of plywood and other stuff for the 27 sewing machines, and we stuffed the spaces in between with bedding and towels and soft things we would need in our house. It cost $4,000 to ship 27 sewing machines, and they went to the Mariposa PR Foundation. Well, actually, they didn't initially because Mariposa was small enough It was operating out of a small apartment on the second floor of a house. So, the 27 sewing machines came to our house, and I have a 16 by 18 foot sewing studio in our house in the Dominican Republic. So, I stored the sewing machines and used them for the first two years of classes. I would go to a barrio. I would pick up the sewing students, bring them to my house first thing in the morning, feed them, because you can't learn if you're hungry, and then we would have sewing class, and I would take them back, and then in the afternoon, I would go to a different barrio, get a different group of girls, pick them up, bring them to the house, feed them, do a sewing class, and take them home. So, two days a week, I did sewing classes. Then... Mariposa was able to purchase a piece of property that initially had been a small resort. Then it had been a private school and had set empty for a few years. It was amazing. We had to rewire everything. All of the wiring had been stolen. All of the windows, well, it didn't have windows. It had metal shutters, which is normal. So, my husband, again, my hero, paid for the electrician to come in and wire, like, four rooms so that I'd be able to be teaching sewing on campus, and it was great. So, the classes continued, and I could have bigger classes, because before, I could only pick up the number of students that would fit in my little car, so four at the most, and our goal was to teach girls something that they could use to make money, make a living. So we did that for a number of years. Then, unfortunately, I was involved in a pretty horrific car accident. And I wasn't able to lift the sewing machines or to bend over the girls as they used them. So then we did hand sewing, and we actually made a quilt with a different Classes making different blocks. And now the sewing classes are taught by the paid teacher. And in the meantime, the Mariposa Foundation was given a grant and received about a ton, literally a ton, of used racing sailboat sails. The girls and the mothers of the girls were then making reusable items that were sold on Etsy and were sold locally in different shops. So they make reusable grocery bags that are indestructible because they're made out of stale material and you can wash them. That's great. They also were making cosmetic bags, messenger bags, backpacks, you name it. Some of the mothers were making a living doing this, Many of the girls were making a living doing this, and the program has grown from about a dozen girls in 2010 to over 150 girls at present, and Mariposa has been able to find full scholarships for several of the girls who have graduated from high school and are in college. In North Carolina, in Iowa, in Seattle, and in Costa Rica. One of my very first sewing students, her name is Romaley, and she was definitely not into sports, but she loved sewing. To this day, now we're talking 10, 11 years, I don't think she can sew a straight line. But she has the, I'm going to conquer this attitude. She is finishing her junior year in college. And she spent the last two years of high school in Wales at an international school on a full scholarship. She will become a social worker. She aspires to get a master's and then come back and help make her country better. I am considered to be her mamacita. She has a wonderful mother whom I know and who has given me beautiful orchids. However, each of the girls in college has somebody that is like a little mother, which is what mamacita means, and who is available to them for support. And I'm several hundred miles from Iowa. However, O'Malley and I stay in touch. And I help guide her about decisions and health. So she's one of those success stories. And the sewing program has continued. Now, the other program in the Dominican Republic and the North Coast in my area is Inspire DR. And Inspire DR is similar in its goals, but... It's for boys. So their mantra is they want to help create good citizens, good husbands, good fathers. And it's a wonderful program. Well, I have two more sewing machines set aside for them. And hopefully in the fall, I'll be doing sewing classes with a couple of the Inspire DR boys to teach them how to fix kites. And these are kites for kite sailing and kite boarding. And they'd be able to make a living because it's a sports-oriented town. And kiting and surfing and sailboarding are all very popular. And it's an international destination for those sports. One thing I want to tell about Mariposa DR, in addition to the sewing program. They do health education. They do pregnancy prevention. They get all of the girls to the dentist on an annual or semi-annual basis. They get physicals for the girls. When they need glasses, they get glasses for the girls. School in the Dominican Republic is three hours a day. It is minimal. So... Mariposa is not actually a school, but it's an enrichment program. The girls get homework help. They learn to use a computer and computer skills. They learn arts. They have opportunities for sewing. They learn to swim. They learn to surf, and they learn skills like writing a play, and then building puppets to put the play on. They learn yoga, meditation, cooking skills. They learn dance and song and music education. So they are becoming well-rounded young women who are able to be independent and think for themselves Rather than simply fall into traditional roles of being at home and having children and big house, they're making a difference. Wow, yeah, that's really cool. It is so inspiring to spend time with these girls and to spend time with Patricia. She makes things happen. And I'm very proud to have been with them for 12 years now and to have seen them grow. And they are much more than part of a sewing program. They have painted images of heroic women like Michelle Obama and like Ruth Bader Ginsburg as well as Dominican women. And through a grant from the American Embassy in Santo Domingo, They've been able to bring a wonderful woman who is Black and Native American and a Native American woman to teach the culture of their background. And we have their portraits on pillars and also wonderful, wonderful, strong Dominican women and Haitian women because Mariposa DR Foundation has both Haitian and Dominican girls there is no discrimination and heaven help anybody that does because you can't be part of the program if you're going to be that way mm-hmm. I know that's not exactly quilting but honestly it's life-changing and that's part of my mission yeah yeah
0: well, that is so neat how the different steps that took you down there and led you to be able to be part of that program. Not that you were looking for it, but it was there for you. That's so cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and one of the things, I don't know if you're familiar with Laura Heine's collage quilts. I did the dress, and it was so much fun to do. And I put it up for sale at a artisan play. Of course, it didn't sell. I only priced it for what I had into it for materials. So I ended up offering it to the Mariposa Foundation. We sold raffle tickets for $10 each and raised $3,500 raffling off that quote. Wow. So that was definitely cool. Yeah. Some of my favorite fabric designers love K-Facet. I love tulip pink. You can tell I'm in the color. Mm -hmm. And luckily, at this point in my life, I have enough of a stash. So they don't usually have to buy much fabric. That doesn't stop me from buying fabric. (laughs) But, you know, this morning I was quilting some table runners and thought, hmm, it needs an interesting binding. And I was just able to go to my different drawers and pull them out.
0: It's fun to put those together, laying out the colors, seeing it come together. Yeah. Are there other crafts or hobbies that you have done or that you do? Well,
1: I paint not as often as I used to. And now sometimes I'm painting on fabric. One of the things I made last year in the Dominican Republic, I do a lot of piecing. And then I bring it home to New York, so I'm half and half, six months here, six months there. I went into our, one of our gardens in the Dominican Republic and picked a huge Swiss cheese philodendron leaf. I mean, it had to be... Three and a half feet by two and a half feet wide, and cut it off. Brought it in the house and traced it, including the holes, on freezer paper that I taped together. Then put the pattern onto muslin and then painted it several times. Then quilted it onto batting. And I had to cut away the holes and turn those edges under, and then applicate it onto some beautiful tape facet violet paperweight material, and it became a glorious, really glorious wall hanging. So I hated to sell it. I just absolutely loved it, but you know, you can't keep everything that you make. So mm-hmm. I put a pretty, well, for this area, it was pretty high priced. And two people wanted it, and one of them was a good friend, and she said, should I let the other person have it? I said, well, if you buy it, I can come and visit it. So she bought it. She was trying to consider being nice, but I was glad she bought it. I can visit it. (laughs) And I I garden. I grow enough tomatoes and peppers, but I've given up a real garden because we have so many deer that eat everything. So we have a greenhouse room, and it's like a huge living room that happens to have an in-ground pool in it. And I have a garden out there, so I can start my tomatoes like the 1st of May. So my garden. And uh, most of my painting anymore is actually on fabric. The one art class that I took when I was doing a bachelor's degree, I was finishing the last three core classes, and I needed one more elective. And I looked and said, okay, what do they offer on whatever night it was I had available? And it was Navajo weaving. And I thought, oh, how bad can that be? I got there. The first thing they give you is a three-page list of materials you need. You had to build a loom. That is the only art, craft, anything. I would never do that again. And my mother was a weaver. She had huge looms, and she made beautiful things. I hated weaving, just
0: hated it. So no weaving for me, but other things, yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's so interesting that sometimes children... Follow right into what their parents loved. And other times, it's just the opposite. If they do it, it just doesn't go for you.
1: Yeah. Isn't that funny? Travel. Oh, I know. Here's another little tidbit. My husband, like I said, is a workaholic. And as I became busy with Mariposa, and he looked at natural resources in the Dominican Republic, he ended up starting a chocolate company. The Dominican Republic cocoa beans are considered to be some of the very best in the world, and they're the largest exporter of organic cacao. Nobody was making wonderful chocolate, so he started company with two employees, and it took about a year to perfect the recipes. So that's been 11 years now, and they have. 30 or 35 employees have an actual factory and they make six regular kinds of chocolate and then four kinds that are rum flavored that they call Pirate's Booty. Well, he ended up purchasing a couple of pirate mannequins from the internet and they looked pretty beat up. They looked pretty sad. So my job This past fall was to renovate the pirates. So I did. They got new scarves and they got repainted, and that was actually a whole lot of fun. You never know where your art skills can uh, come in to be helpful.
0: That's so true. When you're quilting, what are the tools that you really are so happy you have to be able to use?
1: Well, I couldn't live without a rotary cutter and, of course, rulers. But I love my quarter-inch foot. My first Bernina is now 22 years old, and it's a workhorse. And I love that machine. I have another one because my husband is in love with technology. So he was certain that I needed an embroidery machine. And then he upgraded the software. I don't use it as much as I should. And then I have a long arm. Both of my parents have died. And I used money that was left to me to buy my first long arm and had that for a good 15 years and four years ago upgraded to a little better machine. And so each of my parents, with money that they gave me, they've provided me with a long arm machine. So I could not have survived the pandemic without quilting. It makes being alone survivable, and it makes me feel productive. I think most of us want to feel like we make a difference and that we're worthy of breathing air on this planet. And I feel like quilting makes a difference for people. Mm -hmm.
0: Tell me about your favorite part of the process or do you like each step?
1: Well, I love picking the colors. Absolutely love picking the colors. And I enjoy piecing. It just seems like it can be repetitive and dull, but then it all comes together. Mm -hmm. I don't love quilting, but I try to make it interesting enough that I get through it. It's okay, and I love how it looks afterwards. My least favorite is hand sewing on the bindings, and I know people do it by machine, but I don't think it looks as good. One comment that I still remember is last fall we were finally able, as artisan group that I'm part of, we were able to have our studio shows. And a lovely older woman came in. She said, I'm a quilter and I look at your bindings and I can't even see your stitches. So I thought, Well, that's just the most wonderful comment to get. So I don't mind sewing in the bindings as much. I mean, that compliment kind of got me through. (laughs) But I love colors. Yeah. And trying new things. This year, I made a vow that I was going to overcome my anxiety. I made a queen-size Lone Star quilt. I made a Storm at Sea, which I'd been intimidated by. And I made a tulip pink quilt that I had bought a kit. It had 42 prints, and then you had to buy black and white. And it was a huge pom-pom. The center was all wedges that it looked like a mill wheel. And I thought, oh, I'm not sure I'm up for this. It was fabulous. I mean probably one of the most interesting quilts that I had made. And I had owned the fabric for a couple of years. I was just too intimidated to cut into it. But oh, just so much fun. And the other thing that I absolutely love is helping somebody that's never quilted before make their first project and to see them absolutely fall in love with it. It's just So much fun. And and to say things to them like, there are no mistakes. These are artistic choices. So that's probably one of the most fun parts. Yeah. But cleaning up my sewing studio, not so much. That's not much fun.
0: (laughs) I keep thinking I'm going to do that and then I walk away. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I still haven't taken a picture of it because it's just too messy. But I'm always just, anxious to get to that next project.
1: Yes. Well, I usually have a few, uh, you know, ongoing so that if I need to wait for something on one of them, I can pick something else up and, and keep going. Right now, I have so many top flap quilts and two queen-size quilts that I made Over the winter, now I'm big into quilting them, and I had a very unfortunate thing happen on Monday morning. I'm quilting away, and life is good, and lo and behold, on my long arm, I will add, the needle fell out and into the machine, and the machine immediately turned off, so I went looking for the piece, because... The needle broke, couldn't find it. Turned it on as soon as I would push, needle up, turned right off. So, called my friend who came. We took the frame apart to get the machine off, drove up to north of Rochester to leave it to be fixed. And I thought, ah, it's a error. Oh, no. How am I going to buy another one? Oh, no. Turns out it's the timing. I had probably been quilting for two hours, and I'm sure the vibration of the last several days loosened, and I never thought to check the tightness of the needle. So right now, I am putting bindings on small projects because my long arm is in the hospital. In the grand scheme of things, it's a blip. It's not like war or death.
0: Yeah, Yeah. um, yeah.
1: Anyway. That's my, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do? I have such good friends that are willing to come and help carry heavy machines and go with me.
0: That's great. Do you happen to have a worst quilting experience? Yes, actually. (laughs) It was early on in my career, and
1: I made a lap quilt that included lots of trees, and pieced a deer, and the deer all looked like disabled deer. You know, the legs were not ideal and that kind of thing. But it was still early on, and I loved it. I also will dye silk scarves, paint them and dye them, and use them and sell them. And I, unfortunately, had some of my silk dyes, which are like two ounce plastic jars and a tote. And I had not taken them to my studio because who knows why. And our Labrador retriever puppy got into the silk dye and it ended up all over this quilt. The dog had a blue tongue. The dye obviously stained the lab quilt. And some sheets on the bed. So that was a lesson learned. And, you know, I still use the quilt because I like to look at it and say, boy, I've come a long ways. I think I could do deer that really looks like deer now. (laughs) So I would say that's probably my worst. There's not much in quilting that can't be fixed or turned into a positive.
0: Yeah. What do you think? drew you to making quilts rather than spend your time on doing something else?
1: To me, it was like painting with fabric. And I am such a practical person. I knew in life I could never make a living as an artist, but I loved art. So that was just like an epiphany. I still remember how I felt going to this first show and just touching fabric and feeling like I found my tribe. It just was like I found where I belong. And for a number of years, I worked exclusively with cancer patients and eventually you know, I stopped telling people what I did because, you know, you're at a party or a group and people say, what do you do? And they say, oh, I'm an oncology nurse. And they would automatically just think that it was a horrible thing and it was death and dying. And they never considered that it was about helping people to live while they still could. So using quilts and color as a comfort for people. It really spoke to me. And like I said, that first exhibit was use of humor. And I remember one particular quilt and it was like a black background and it was a brain and it had the different lobes all labeled. And it was really, really funny. And it was about a quilter's brain. And then it had... The other part was the brain of of the spouse, and together they were just wonderful. So for all of the years that I had to go to college at night or on my days off and study and work and try to make life better for oncology patients, I always sought out comedy movies lighthearted television shows when I got a chance to actually watch television. And so to me, it's escapism. It's not only can you feel like you've made a difference in doing something good for somebody when they fall in love with a quilt that you can comfort them with, but it just fulfilled my need to make art.
0: It's so neat that you can find that.
1: When I was the nurse manager, I was hired by a community hospital to develop an oncology program. And I thought to myself, well, they're asking me to come work for them, so I will tell them what I need. And how often do you get to do that, you know, in a new job? Mm -hmm. I I want to be able to hire my own staff because only people that want to work with cancer patients should be working with them they said, okay. So we did have wonderful staff. And one of the things that we did is we would have a theme day once a month. And the first one was T-shirt day. And all the staff were allowed to wear a T-shirt. We had extra T-shirts so that when the doctors made their rounds, if they didn't wear a T-shirt, we gave them one. And we would have people coming out of their rooms to see what what everybody's T-shirts were. And we had hat day and funky jewelry day and silly shoe day and any number. And we did a lot of transfusions. And so the lab, they would dress up on our theme days. And the person from Dietary that delivered the meals to our patients, they dressed up because they were part of the team. So it was really team-building. Mm -hmm. Well, my baby came along one day, and my staff gave me a beautiful ringlet of fresh flowers to wear on my head with little ribbons down the back, kind of a Mother Nature sort of thing. And I wore it all day. I was thrilled and delighted. And I have to tell you, when I went to the cafeteria and I went to meetings that day, nobody thought a single thing about it. They just thought it was another theme day. But patients would call and say, I'm coming for my three-day chemo. Is it a theme day? Because they wanted to be able to wear, you know, the, the hat or the shoes or the whatever it was that day. It honestly brought families together who would dress for the day. Just another use of humor to support people.
0: Well, thank you so much for I wanna say your service, but all that you thank did for those patients. Many know that I have a granddaughter that went through leukemia. Ooh. She's doing really well now, but she was diagnosed at two and a half and oh. she's in the first grade and she's a fireball now.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: Yeah, so I so appreciate all the doctors and nurses. And everyone on the team that helped her—it's so needed.
1: And you know, I just love the people that are willing to do it. I was so, so glad about your granddaughter. And you know, things have just made so much progress over the years. I remember giving tamoxifen as an investigational drug, and I would go in on weekends to hand it out morning and evening because I was the only nurse approved to hand out investigational drugs. And now it's not over the counter,
0: but it's pretty darn close. So lots of progress. Yeah. Could you share a quilting tip with me? Yes. Actually, I turned this into Thompson Porter and got a
1: free year of subscription. My tip is when you're trying to thread your machine and many of us have machines that are older than when they had you know the self threading. Mm-hmm. And so you take a flat headed quilt pin and put it behind the needle and you can see the hole makes it much easier. Oh interesting. Yeah, because all of you know the machines that the girls in the DR use and my workhorse machine they don't have needle threaders and so it's much easier to see the hole
0: yeah yeah what a great tip thanks you're welcome well thank you so much oh my pleasure this has been delightful oh thank you thank you thank you Uh uh-huh bye-bye